listening to Popcorn Podcast with Lee and Tim. We're back for season five, and this week we're talking Promising Young Woman as well as festival favourite Ammonite. Yeah, baby, we're back. I'm Timmy Fland, movie buff. And I'm Lee Livingstone, entertainment journalist. And we love to talk all things movies. And in this week's episode, we are reviewing Promising Young Woman and Ammonite. Can't wait to dive into these movies, Tim. The first ones of 2021. So exciting. It is so exciting. And we've got a new fancy podcast microphone set up. So we're really excited to be bringing this uh, this episode to you in this way. Yeah, Tim sounds like warm honey in your ears. <laughs> Luke, I am your father. (laughs) Nice. Now, promising young woman. Cassie was a promising young woman heading for a career in medicine until a tragic event derailed her ambitions and set her on the path to revenge. Now she spends her days working in a coffee shop and her nights pretending to be drunk and helpless to teach deplorable men a lesson. What a fascinating concept for this. It really is a fascinating concept and it was such a ride, which we'll get into in a Mm. moment. But first, let's rattle off uh, who's who in the zoo. So it was written and directed by Emerald Fennell. She played Camilla on the Netflix series The Crown and she's also the showrunner for season two of Killing Eve. She's really, really a talented writer and we'll get into that a bit more. Absolutely. This movie stars Kerry Mulligan in a career-defining role. Laverne Cox, Alison Brie, Connie Britton, Bo Burnham, Chris Lowell, Jennifer Coolidge, like it's a who's who in this movie and they're all so good. They they all bring a unique perspective and purpose to this film to an incredibly complex, compelling, confronting script and story. Let's jump into the story, shall we? Yeah, I mean, I feel like it's hard to define this film. Mm. I've been thinking about it so much. I have not been able to stop thinking about it. It's incredibly thought-provoking, really confronting. Yeah, what were your, like, initial feelings when you left the cinema having seen this? That's exactly why I loved this film because Mm. it makes you think, and I've said this a number of times on the podcast, that a film that can entertain you while also making you think deeper about Mm. big concepts is a winner in my book. And this one is obviously really illuminating as to the lengths that some men will go to to take advantage of women. Yes. And then also as a result of that position that men often take, which is just awful and wrong in this film, portrays that in a unique perspective, lifts the curtain up on all of that sort of stuff. Mm. But then it's also how society perceives that and how they protect the men. Yes. You know, and it's... And what constitutes a nice guy. Yeah. What masquerades as a nice guy. And at first I was really uncomfortable because I thought, and this is um, this is bad, but, you know, you have to break down your preconceived notions of how you might perceive someone. Mm. And, you know, throughout the life of the film, Cassie, played by Carrie Mulligan, you know, she meets all these lovely men, but they're, they're not nice guys. And I was sitting there going, you know, I was just so upset and disappointed mm. because you think you were fooled that these men had good intentions, but they absolutely did not. And that's what this film lift the curtain on because, you know, this stuff is happening to women every day, all mm. the time, all around the world. Well, as a woman myself, it's hardly surprising. You know, I'm Mm. very well versed in this kind of behaviour. I've experienced it. I've seen it. I know, you know, I live in fear of this as well. But also men are going to get something out of this film. So I don't want to write it off as a chick flick. Like definitely don't do that. It's for everyone and it will really make people think on both sides of the fence. Oh, absolutely. And me as a man, it was really important for me 
to have seen this film and I encourage men to see this Mm. film because you need to be confronted by this topic. It's just so important and it just makes you realise that, um, you know, it's not all cotton candy out there. Absolutely not. No, but it's incredible the lengths guys will go to. I mean, in some cases she was vomiting, she was passed out and they're acting like they're doing her a favour. Yeah, it's really disturbing. Yeah. It was super disturbing. But you mentioned something earlier mm. and I want to pick that out. You said it was uh, this film was entertaining. So even though the subject matter and the content and the action that takes mm. place, many various forms in all the different acts across the film, you were very thoroughly entertained. Oh, absolutely. I loved it. I can't say that enough. Absolutely loved it. Let's talk about Carrie Mulligan's performance because yes. I think there's an Oscar nom in here for her. 100 I mean, we said on the podcast our review of Nomadland with Frances McDormand. You think it's a shoe in for her. Mm. We're soon going to talk about Ammonite and his beautiful performances there. But I think you're right. There is an Oscar nomination for Carrie here. And what's really annoying is I read some criticism of this movie after we'd seen it, saying that Carrie Mulligan was not hot enough to play Cassie, which is absolutely ridiculous. And also a completely moot point because. As the film showed, it doesn't matter what you look like. No, exactly. Your state of inebriation or how vulnerable you are. That's the problem that this film is trying to highlight because mm. everyone seems to be still incredibly tone deaf about th- this problem in society, about men taking advantage mm. of women in vulnerable circumstances. And then for them to come out and say that she wasn't hot enough to play the role, it's like, how dare you? That's disgusting. And that's mm. exactly why that person... <laughs> just didn't get this film like they're still blind (laughs) to what the story and the the message it was trying to tell goodness me and the supporting cast what did you think of the supporting cast i think everybody was just spot on in their roles everyone was fantastic jennifer coolidge played her mother and is just just love her so much i love her comedy and we're used to seeing jennifer coolidge in comedic roles such Mm. as legally blonde or american pie and stifler's mom (laughs) (laughs) you know all these really like funny roles that she plays very well. But this is more serious and she paired it right back for this one. Yeah, she was quite vulnerable in this. Mm. I mean, she wasn't in it a lot, but I think her role was really important in communicating to the audience um, who her daughter was or used to be mm. and had become in a really, yeah, re- really tender way. She was a very concerned mother here, but also had her layers of mm. wit and, you know, all those things that we love about Jennifer as an actress, but yeah, it was different for her. Talking about character motivations, we haven't really discussed Mm. this about what drives Cassie to be doing this. And it's that her friend in college was raped and it affected both of their lives and they dropped out of medical school and and she hasn't been able to move on from that. They sort of allude to the fact that the friend may have passed away. Is that is that a spoiler? (laughs) Oh no, I think it's uh, she was a bit of a mystery, this friend. I think it's up to you as to whether you decide she's actually dead or maybe she's in a mental institution suffering from, you know, the Mm. after effect of of what happened to her. I don't think they explicitly said she had died. But I don't think that's a spoiler because um, she's at the heart of the story and it's all about paying attention to what's happened and she was a forgotten victim. Mm. And all the different layers of of society, Cassie was out there to try and shed light on that to make them realise that what they had done and what they were thinking at the time and then how they just moved on so easily is just so wrong. There was some great use of music in this film, did you think? Oh, I loved it. This is the soundtrack of the year already, I think. There's something about mixing up pop music with orchestral Mm. covers. Bridgerton did it really, really well uh, on Netflix and, and this kind of 
uh, drew me into that. And you're kind of listening, right, trying to mm. pick what the song is. And it's yeah. kind of a bit of a game and a bit of fun to go, oh, that's Britney Spears' Toxic. And it's just used in such an effective way. I found the music uh, choices really overt. So they're really like hitting you over the head with what's going on in the scene. But yeah. I didn't mind it, you know. So there was some scenes where Paris Hilton song yeah. when they're falling in love and then toxic when she really takes off and mm. goes on her big revenge climactic mission. And then I'm going to have the last laugh at the end when there's a twist yeah. and she, you know. So powerful. Really, really powerful. But again, entertaining as well. It kind of put you in that mindset mm. of you being entertained, even though what you were watching was really full on and confronting. Can we just say, I didn't know I needed uh, a Paris Hilton song to be sung to in a chemist, like in <laughs> this know. moment of love and fun between these two characters. It was like, yeah, I, I need more of that in my life. I found it surprising that I remembered the words because I feel like I've never listened to a Paris Hilton <laughs> song before in my life. You knew the words? I was bopping along, yeah. Oh, Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Can we just talk about, in terms of characters, Bo Burnham who played her love interest in this film. Yes. And I think that how he was so effective, one, I think he's a really talented comedic actor, mm. but the dialogue, the script that Emerald Fennell has delivered here mm. was just so beautifully captured by all the actors, by all the performances. Mm. Yeah, and he was so charming, yep. so disarming. What did you think? That's what's really important is that highlighting mm. that the nice guys are sometimes the ones you do have to watch out for. And there was a yeah. red flag earlier on that she ignored and then was kicking herself for ignoring it, you know? Yeah. Gosh, what a ride. Uh, but speaking of the script, yeah. I, I do want to point out it could be a bit clunky in places. Yes. I'm thinking specifically towards the end and we're not going to reveal spoilers, of course, because mm. that's not what we do. But it went off the rails a little bit, I think towards the end there's a couple of scenes that went on a little bit too long and were a bit clunky maybe they were improvised and it was just mm. left in a little bit it changed the pacing of the story I think if I was to give something that I thought didn't quite work was that I felt at times this movie didn't really know what it was mm. because it felt like it was incredibly genre bending which made the tone for me a little bit confused at times you know one moment it was a romantic comedy the next mm. it was a revengeful thriller film then it was like had this dark comedy to it then it was like satire there was some very like, yeah do you know what I'm do you know what I mean I get what you're saying but I'm gonna have to disagree mm -hmm. with you because mm -hmm. I think that's what made it really original and unique and so biting I yeah. really love the originality in this story mm. yeah I think it worked really well yeah I think I'm looking forward to watching this again because I think there's a lot to enjoy out of all those different uh, genre positions that it like dips in and out of. I don't think there was something wrong with it. I just felt at times I was like, okay, so what are they doing now? And then they flip and do something else soon after. And it mm. just was a okay. little bit jarring, but that's just my perspective. Let's talk about the design and the color palette. It's really mm. muted pastels and really feminine kind of colors. And I loved that. Yeah. I loved her wardrobe as well. I thought the, the costumes are actually really good too. But even the set design in the cafe where she works, it's all, mm. or the coffee shop where she works, it's it's all light, bright colours. It's a very bright palleted film for such a dark topic and I love that juxtaposition that Emerald Fennell designed there. Yeah, I agree. I think we might be ready to rate Promising Young Woman. I am excited. So I think this is a really important film that women and men need to see and need to see it now. It lifts the curtain up on society's perception of women and the whole culture around rape and mm. who's the victim and, and all the rest and how it glorifies men. 
uh, and protects them. The system protects them. Those around them protect them and it's just so wrong. And like you've called out, it's like what constitutes a good guy, what constitutes a good person. Mm. I think this film offers a witty, intelligent, complex script, perfectly performed by Carrie Mulligan and the supporting cast and, you know, the different genres that it does lean into. Like I said, even though I felt it didn't quite work at times, I thought that was a really compelling way of telling a story. So I am going to rate Promising Young Woman for Popcorn Kernels. Well, I couldn't have said it better myself there, Tim. The (laughs) script could be a bit clunky in places and it went off the rails towards the end in terms of the editing and the character choices, which I didn't really expound Mm. on, but I found some of the choices she made towards the end to not be in keeping with her character. She was so smart and savvy and, you know, covered all her bases at all times. And then towards the end, it was like she just got reckless. But maybe that was intentional because she just didn't give a fuck and she'd lost all faith in everyone. Do you know what? I think you've hit it on the head there. I think you're right. But I love the sharp biting, witty script from Emerald Fennell and I love the story concept and I love the way it was executed. So I'm giving it four kernels. We're kicking off the new year. First episode of season five on the same page. Brilliant. Promising Young Woman is in cinemas now, so make sure you go and see it. Okay, Lee, so let's take a look at Ammonite and share our thoughts for that film. So this movie set in 1840s England where fossil hunter Mary works alone on the rugged coastline when a wealthy visitor entrusts her with the care of his wife Charlotte the struggling Mary can't afford to turn his offer down although they initially clash due to the gap in their social class and personalities an intense bond develops between the women now Mary is played by Kate Winslet and Charlotte is Saoirse Ronan this movie is written and directed by Francis Lee who is an actor who also wrote and directed God's Own Country so he's familiar with these kind of romances isn't he yeah very much now this story is Based on real people, but not a real romance, I believe. Is that correct? Oh, okay. Interesting. It was incredibly believable, though. You would think that this was taken from the pages of history. Mm. It was a stunning story. So Mary Anning was a paleontologist and fossil hunter who is the unsung hero of the science, really. A lot of her fossils were sold to museums via men that she had sold them to and she didn't get the credit for it. So... She's really opened doors for women in science. Oh, 100%. And they do lean into that a lot in this movie. The influence and the power and the prestige men have at that time in society was so clear, but she was such a hard worker and she was just so passionate about her work about fossils. And you really got a sense of, of that in the portrayal that Kate brought to screen. So as you said before, this story is about these two women who have been thrown together couldn't be more different to each other. Mm. How do you think the story played out? For me, it was a little slow. I really love films that have a pace that Ammonite had. Really? Because there is just so much beauty and tenderness in the performances that actresses like Kate Winslet and Saoirse Ronan bring. And I personally didn't have an issue with the slow pace of the story because I was so disarmed by this stunning cinematography, Mm. you know, there was a lot of silence. You know, Mary herself, Kate, only spoke when she really needed to say something. Mm. Um, And when she did sometimes, oof, that that tongue was sharp. She was very, very funny. So I quite like that slow burn character Mm. that led to this intense, beautiful, tender, tragic relationship ultimately. I found the soundscape a little bit overpowering Mm. of the story. As you mentioned, the script was quite minimal wasn't it? 
And I found that the ocean was very evocative. Like they really focused oh. on that seaside scape. But it could be overpowering in places and hard to hear what they were saying. Yeah, I mean, I felt very confronted by the sound mix and sound design of the ocean. It was really harsh. But I think it was offering that juxtaposition between what ultimately became this beautiful, tender, mm. physical relationship. And I think it was kind of alluding to as a metaphor that, you know, on the surface things might be seemingly okay and Mary was living her life and didn't want to be interrupted. But like the ferociousness of life mm. just can take over you and, and love can just you don't have control over it. And the ocean is something that no one can control. So I just kind of found those parallels. Speaking of metaphors, Ammonite seemed to be a metaphor for the women fossilised by their own hardships and you really need to chip away to see what's buried underneath. So you have to invest some time in this movie. You have to be willing to invest your time to sit and really get immersed in it. I love that. That is such a beautiful way of putting it. It's so, so true. You do have to invest time and and go along with with the pace of it all. I agree. Speaking of performances... Mm -hmm. Absolutely stunning performances from Kate Winslet and Saoirse Ronan. Their chemistry was so natural. I found it so easy to watch. Like, it was just beautiful. I just kind of got chills as you were saying that because I just took myself back to their blossoming relationship and the the physicality of it and how they just adored each other. There was just that real... Mm love like true love because sometimes those things can feel forced in a period piece i mean Mm. not just because it was a same-sex relationship but generally any kind of love in that era was taboo or you know you can't touch and you can't you know but that's what's beautiful about this movie it's a Mm. stolen look and a little glance and a little brush of the hand and then all of a sudden it was on yeah oh i love that and i think period pieces offer that because it was such a different way of living in society and i think it it adds a bit of jeopardy to the situation it only delivers a more powerful uh, connection as an audience to to the characters as well i think brits don't mind getting their kid off do they neither does kate winslet <laughs> but it's very artfully done here there's not a lot of full frontal nudity mm. it, it seemed right for the piece oh and i think that in the intimacy moments it was so oh, so beautifully shot with the light but then also the the blocking the physicality of Kate and Sersha, you know, that would have been really challenging scene to film in terms of finding that. But their passion was just so apparent. And the framing of the shots certainly doesn't shy away from showing female pleasure, which can often be artfully edited out in other movies. I agree. You kind of expected it to kind of cut away or end sooner. Mm. But no, they really wanted you to experience what they were experiencing mm. all the way through. And it was actually really beautiful. Can I just call out one thing that I adored about this film Mm. and the performance of Kate? There was this ongoing focus and motif of hands and what they do, be it through her work or in her relationship with Saoirse Ronan's character. You were directed to look at her hands, you know, with the framing of the camera and the lighting, but it was also the physicality of her performance and how she held her hands. It was, I just found absolutely captivating i could not look away but they they were directing you to look at her hands and what her hands were doing but i found myself choosing to look at times that i wasn't necessarily meant to and i was i just thought i don't know there was something so beautiful about what she did with her hands i keep talking about (laughs) her hands i just love them i've really got to admire the detail in this film Mm. the costuming and the set design was fantastic very simple yes and in keeping with the time obviously but i mean even right down to kate winslet's mother's ruddy cheeks yeah everything 
in this was just so seaside English town in the 1800s. It was it was perfect. Yeah, it was it was really beautifully realized through production design. You absolutely felt like you were there at that time and in that town. So I completely agree. And I loved the mum too. She was one of my favorites. All right, Lee, I'm keen to hear your closing statement for Ammonite. Okay, well, Ammonite can be a bit of a somber story. If people are expecting a bodice ripper, this is not that film. It's a longing look there, a slip of an ankle here, a peeled potato there. (laughs) All very sexy stuff. So sexy. Potatoes have never been sexier. But in all seriousness, this is a beautiful film and it's a very character-driven film. I give it three and a half kernels. Oh, wonderful. See, I thought Ammonite was a really wonderful example of exceptional screenwriting direction and, of course, performances by our two leading ladies in Kate and Sersha. It focused with such beautiful precision and tenderness on the theme of isolation. And I think that was only achieved through the performances of the actresses, but then also things that we've touched on and and your adoration and love for the set design and the costumes, which I think all just all beautifully woven spoke together uh, so beautifully. So I'm going to give Ammonite four popcorn kernels. That's Ammonite, which is in cinemas now. So should we move on to news, Tim? Absolutely. Our first news of the year. So Kevin Feige has given a series of interviews this week to promote WandaVision, which is on Disney+. Plus. It's the upcoming Marvel series on that platform. But he also gave insight into Marvel's film plans, which has all been quiet on the Western front recently, hasn't mm. it? So this is exciting. He wouldn't be drawn on whether or not Black Widow will stick to a theatrical release in the States, though. At the moment, we're quite lucky having cinemas open that even if things are going straight to streaming in the US, we're still getting a theatrical release here. So crossing fingers that that's still going to happen. Yeah. I mean, just to recap, we covered this off quite extensively at the end of uh, season four in 2020, but the strategy of same-day release in cinemas and same-day streaming on HBO Max has has rocked the industry. Mm. So I guess, yeah, will will Black Widow end on Disney Plus same day as uh, limited theatrical release in the US? Time will tell, but it's pretty interesting times still. Another big reveal to come out of Kevin Feige's interviews is that Deadpool 3 will officially slot into the MCU and keep its R rating. This is all very exciting. There was speculation after 20th Century Fox was acquired by Disney that it might get watered down, which would be a disaster. It would have been an absolute disservice to the character of Deadpool, what Ryan Reynolds brings uh, and what audiences expect. So this is fucking brilliant. Now, Nicole Kidman and Javier Bardem are being considered to play Lucille Ball and Desi Arnaz in Aaron Sorkin's latest project titled Being the Richards. Yes, it will follow the relationship of the pair from the iconic I Love Lucy TV series. Taking place over one week, it will deal with a crisis the pair are dealing with that could upend their careers and marriage. Now, I know you're a huge Nicole Kidman fan, Tim. You love her. She's your... She's my mum. Yeah. (laughs) I'm not sure how she would feel about that. Uh, but Should be fine. But at one point, Kate Blanchett was attached to this project. I have to say, I think Kate Blanchett would have been fantastic. No disrespect to Nicole Kidman. Mm. I love her. I think she's great. But I think Kate Blanchett is just such a better character actor. Yes, that is so true. And we spoke about this offline to that exact position is that, yeah, is Nicole a character actor? She's a fantastic actress, but Lucille Ball has a very animated, unique physicality and voice to her. And right now, I can't see Nicole delivering that, but I can see Kate Blanchett doing it. 
However, I think we're going to be completely surprised. I'm sure Nicole will deliver an incredible alignment. Just because we haven't seen her do it doesn't Mm. mean she can't. And Mm. why shouldn't she have a go? Absolutely. I'm very, very excited for this project. I adore Lucille Ball and her show, I Love Lucy. So it's about time we're kind of telling that story in the medium of film. Sony's Morbius starring Jared Leto has been postponed to October 2021. We're still seeing a lot of postponements and movies getting pushed, unfortunately. It was originally slated for March But on the flip side, we might be getting Godzilla vs. Kong earlier. So, yes, Godzilla vs. Kong has been brought forward to March in the United States and we should expect it around a similar time in Australia, but we'll bring you that date when it's officially announced. Now, it wouldn't be a launch to Season 5 of Popcorn (laughs) Podcast without a piece of news about a shift in a film schedule. So, (laughs) Oh, I can't wait until this is not the case. Kevin Smith, I'm really excited about this, has announced he has finished writing Clerks 3 and he shared the opening sequence, which is going to be set to the tune of My Chemical Romance's Welcome to the Black Parade, which is so fitting. If you're familiar with Kevin Smith's work and the Clerks story, this is perfect. I have a confession to make. I've not seen the Clerks films. I was going to ask you because it's a different generation. Are you familiar Mm. with a lot of Kevin Smith's work? I'm familiar with Kevin Smith. He's very vocal. He's a great cinephile uh, and his interviews and podcasts and stuff are really, really great. He's just a massive film nerd. But I'm I'm actually, yeah, not really familiar with his catalogue of films. So I think I might need to make that change. This is very much my era. So I'm Mm. a huge fan of his work. Some of his films are a bit hit and miss. Mm -hmm. Some of his films can be a little Mm self-indulgent. But overall, he's a very smart filmmaker and I'm, I'm really excited to see this. So The Original Clerks was an independent comedy released in 1994. So maybe a bit before your time. <laughs> <laughs> Still in nappies. No. <laughs> Set in and around a convenience store. It was Smith's first feature and introduced us to his dialogue-heavy, satirical style of filmmaking and put Jay and Silent Bob on the pop culture map. And the first Clerks is considered a cult classic. Yes. His movies are often a slow burn. Uh-huh. Okay. W- word of warning. Well, not word of warning, just like a position, headspace to go in when I watch it. Okay. Good to know. So the next piece of news is really exciting. Patrick Dempsey revealed he has received the script for Disenchanted, which is a sequel to the 2007 film Enchanted, which co-starred Amy Adams and Susan Sarandon. And Disenchanted is apparently expected to start filming very soon. I'm very excited for this too. It's great. I love I love it. I think Amy Adams was just so gorgeous in this movie. Mm-hmm. I can't wait to see the continuation of the story. And I just, oh, Susan Sarandon is a villain. Come at me. Love it. And this has been um, percolating for quite a while now. So hopefully it's really good. Yeah, quite a while. So hopefully it's not too far away either once it hits our, hits our screens. Now, I'm really curious. To s- <laughs> Sorry, I can't. <laughs> this piece of news is doing my fucking head in. Go on, take, take the reins. We can't even. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's the end part, which has just got me lolling. Okay, we need to we need to get this piece of news out. Yep. Cardi B has been cast in her first leading film role for Paramount. She'll star in a movie called Assisted Living about a thief who disguises herself as an elderly woman and hides in her estranged grandmother's nursing home. Now, every single word in that little paragraph has me going, "What? What? What are what? we about to be given here?" I'm very intrigued, but here's the clincher. Assisted Living is billed as a comedy. With tremendous heart. <laughs> <laughs> can't take it seriously. I can't take it seriously. Look, 
give it, let's give Cardi B the benefit of the doubt. Let's see if she's the leading lady. But um, you know, this seems like a really silly in the vein of Martin Lawrence, Eddie Murphy, the Clumps, and Big Mama's House. You know, getting dressed in yeah, disguise and that's, stuff. That's what I'm thinking. That this mm. kind of movie didn't even do well when they were coming out in the 90s. No, and they don't. They have not aged well. Like none of them have aged yeah. particularly well. Well, look, you know, Cardi B has been in Hustlers. She's coming up in the F9, the Fast and Furious sequel. Oh yeah. So, I mean, let's give her the benefit of the doubt. Maybe she'll really surprise. And it's, it's easy to judge, isn't it, really? Yeah, true, true. I, I just, like, comedy with tremendous heart, I just don't know. It just doesn't sit with me. But, yeah, we'll bring you updates on that uh, project in the coming months and years. Who knows? Well, that's it for the first episode of Season 5 of Popcorn Podcast with Lee and Tim. We're so happy to be back. We are back. We are excited and Thank you for joining us on this journey. We can't wait to continue on this popcorn podcast roller coaster for the rest of the year and beyond. Make sure you subscribe because there are some seriously exciting things in the works, let me tell you. 100%. All right, guys, thank you for listening. And we'll catch you next time. If you enjoy our episodes, head over to Apple Podcasts and subscribe. While you're there, we would love you to rate us and leave a review. You can also find us on Spotify, Google Podcasts and iHeartRadio.